Hey all you weirdos, it's Ash. Elena and I want to thank all of you for your continuing support. Crime Countdown could not be what it is today without you. We also wanted to give you a heads up that we're taking a break for the holidays and we won't be back until after the new year. But since the season is all about giving, we do have something special lined up for the next two weeks. So be sure to tune in. In the meantime, enjoy the season and we'll be back the first week of January with a new episode. Have a happy and safe new year. There are many ways to be a Grinch and ruin Christmas. Debunking Santa Claus. Serving fruitcake. Playing All I Want for Christmas is You one too many times. But today, we're looking at people who put your average Grinch to shame. Christmas criminals, the thieves, the cons, the killers. It's the top 10 not-so-jolly Christmas crimes. And all we want for Christmas? To see these guys behind bars. Hey all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast research gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 not-so-jolly Christmas crimes. Alright, so Christmas is rad, all right? But I got a little bone to pick Uh with Christmas. My birthday is three days after, as you know. Yes. So I have this little chip on my shoulder about all these times when someone gives me a birthday gift wrapped in Christmas wrapping paper. I feel like it's weird (laughs) that you're mostly mad about the wrapping paper and not someone giving you a gift that doubles like for your birthday and Christmas, like one gift. Yeah, I mean, that also is not awesome, but listen. (laughs) Why does everyone all year get birthday wrapping paper with balloons and cupcakes and birthday candles on it? And I get Santa. Santa left three days ago. (laughs) I'm here now. I have arrived. Give me a balloon. (laughs) I don't know why that happens to you, but it's okay. Frustrating. Don't let it turn you into like a Christmas criminal. I won't. I can say with a lot of confidence that I won't. That's good. But it does seem kind of like holiday crime. They kind of stand out. But I think it's maybe because it's in front of like a very jolly, crisp backdrop that any kind of crime you're like, oh, my God. Oh, no, not during Christmas. (laughs) That's why I like Halloween better. Oh, yeah. That goes without saying. Yeah, there's no pressure. Of course. But you know what? The Lawson family better be on this list. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I covered it for Morbid and it's too good not to be on here. Too good. And I also think um, the Los Feliz murders needs to be on here, too. Yes. But no more potential spoilers. Neither of us knows which Christmas crimes the other has, so let's see whose list is the least merry and the least bright. Haha, <laughs> let's start the countdown. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. 
with more than 88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500. Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Ten. I'll start us off with number 10, the GPS baby Jesus theft in Wellington, Florida. Wow. We're starting with a very common Christmas crime, stealing the baby Jesus from the nativity scene. But in 2007, the Palm Beach village of Wellington had had enough of their baby Jesus going missing in what had become a yearly heist. So they rigged the ceramic figure to help them track down the culprit. I feel like it's just going to be like a ton of stone teenagers. Always. Always. It's always, <laughs> always. the stone teenagers. Because what other reason is there to steal a baby Jesus? Just to be like, haha, we stole the baby Jesus. Personally, I feel like it would be like bad luck. It's got to be some kind of bad luck. Yeah. I don't know. Well, some stolen baby Jesuses have been defaced with profanity and satanic symbols. That's not okay. Yeah, I feel like that's just asking for some bad stuff to come out. Watch know. out for the lightning. <laughs> just watch out for something. But the majority of baby Jesus thefts are just childish pranks, like you were saying. Right. Now in Wellington, this prank, it leveled up. It became tradition. <laughs> the older generation passes it down to the senior class. Like weird tradition, but okay. <laughs> For two consecutive years, thieves stole the Wellington baby Jesus, which I love that it's like the Wellington baby Jesus. It's, it's got street cred. <laughs> it does. According to CBS News, Wellington's original ceramic baby Jesus was donated by a local merchant and was made in Italy. And it was worth $1,800. Really? I feel like, but Jesus is priceless. Yeah. You can't put a price on baby Jesus. I think they just did. Boom, 1800 bucks. <laughs> I that's feel like lot. that's too little for Jesus. I'm not real sure. He's done a lot. I've never bartered for a baby Jesus, so I don't know how far to go. I guess at that point he is a baby, so he hasn't done much yet. That's true. But he's a miracle, so. He is. Oh, you got to add that in. An $1,800 miracle? I think not. You might be right. I don't know. You know what? We're novices here. We don't know. <laughs> so this kind of turned into an opportunity for some. A New York-based security company offered nonprofit religious institutions a free month's use of security cameras and GPS. GPS. In 2007, officials had enough. They were like, nope, we're not going to let you steal this baby Jesus anymore. The Wellington baby Jesus tradition is done. Yeah, it's a weird flex and we're done with it. It's a okay? weird flex and it's not okay. It's not happening again. So they got high tech with it. They got James Bond and they implanted the GPS tracker in their new baby Jesus. The thieves, not missing their Christmas tradition, Duh. took that bait. Of course. Line and sinker. Well, it turned out to be an 18-year-old woman who sheriff's deputies quickly tracked down. So exactly what you thought. It had to have been more and she just like took the fall because she's the one that like they left the oh, Jesus yeah. in her car when they went to McDonald's after. Exactly. It definitely wasn't just her running up and stealing it. Poor girl. Nine. 
At number nine is the first national bank robbery in Cisco, Texas, also known as the Santa Claus Bank Robbery. December 23rd, 1927, four men held up the first national bank in Cisco, a robbery they thought would be easy money. Despite a few red flags, they forged ahead and the universe fought back. The universe will always fight back. It's very true. So like I said, there was a few red flags here that should have stopped them. The first being that brothers Marshall and Lee Ratliff planned to rob the bank together, but then Lee went ahead and got himself arrested. Oh man, So you're already when off, that happens. Already off to a very bad start here. So Marshall was like, it's okay, we got this. And he roped in a group of ex-cons. Oh, good. But soon enough, his safe cracker got the flu, so he had to be replaced. Get your flu shots, I'm safe saying. crackers. <laughs> Apparently, bank robbing was like the hobby of choice back then. There were so many bank robberies that the Texas Bankers Association offered $5,000 to anyone who shot a bank robber <laughs> at the time. You would think it's like $5,000 if you spot and inform authorities. No, no, no. <laughs> you have to shoot them down. Like Damn. You, you got to go full metal with it. You have to bear arms to get that $5,000. Full send. Woof. Well, Marshall Ratliff did not care about that, I guess. And he decided to go through with the plan. So he did this. He dressed up as Santa Claus. Smart. Tis the season. I bet they were on sale, the suits. Of course. He even interacted with kids outside first. Oh, that's nice of him. It made it a wholesome crime. For sure. You Definitely. Gotta traumatized them about Christmas forever, but okay. It's okay, it's okay. So when they headed inside, the others pulled guns and Marshall grabbed the money. And the whole thing escalated really quickly. In the end, there were several wounded hostages, two officers that died in the shootout, one of the robbers was fatally wounded, and then their getaway car got a flat tire. This is the most bumbling thing I have ever heard in my life. You know what? This was just not supposed to happen. This was the Mr. Beans of bank robberies. It was. It's yes. a holiday Mr. Beans. And it gets worse. So they tried to carjack another car, but the owner ran off with the keys and was like, no, 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 not today. I love that, that they left the car, but they were like, you can't get anywhere without the keys. Exactly, you dinguses. So they ran away without the money and all the angry citizens outside seized and returned the money. Amazing. So it's a Christmas miracle. Christmas miracle, exactly. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of top 10 not so jolly Christmas crimes is the Los Feliz murder. I knew it was going to make it. There it is. December 6th, 1959, at 4.30 a.m., cardiologist Harold Perelson mysteriously killed his wife with a ball peen hammer in their Los Angeles area home. Then he killed himself. Afterwards, the house stayed vacant for decades, with the Perelson's Christmas decorations still up. So spooky. The spookiest. I hate it. That's the greatest haunted house setup ever. It's just Christmas decorations from a murder. That would be a great theme for that a haunted house. That would be a house. great theme. I would be terrified. That would exactly terrify Ooh. me. Well, Harold Perelson hit his sleeping wife, Lillian, in the head with a ball-peen hammer and then he just left her to choke on her own blood. Not very husbandly. How angry do you have to be? That is some anger. I'm assuming very angry. I'm assuming pretty worked up. 10 out of 10 on the angry yes. scale. Yes, like, woo, high blood pressure. So then, and this is awful, he attacked one of his daughters, but she managed to escape and she ran out of the house and alerted neighbors. I think that's like the craziest part of this entire thing. Exactly, because the other thing is he has two other daughters and they woke up mm -hmm. during all this because obviously there's craziness happening. One daughter just ran out of the house. Right. Probably screaming and making noise. But Harold just 
went into their room, shushed them, and told them to go back to sleep. Nighty night. Like, I'm sorry, what, father? Right. Excuse me? He then just took a bunch of pills and died before the ambulance arrived. That's and so imagine bizarre. those kids just like stuck there. And imagine later in life relaying no. this story to like a therapist someday and being like, yeah. And then he just leaned in and said, shh, go back to sleep. Shush, shush now. Like, Merry Christmas. Terrible. Well, a neighbor who was 14 at the time said Perelson was under a, a little bit of financial trouble. Ah, there it is. It's always money. There were also rumors that Harold was reportedly suicidal with severe mental health issues. But this was a fact that was heavily concealed by family. I feel like that was just of the times back oh, then. for sure. Like you of were not supposed to talk about mental health. Yeah. And then, of course, none of this is fun. But this part is kind of more like spooky fun. Mm. The rumors that it's haunted because it needs to be haunted. You can't tell me that there is any way this house is not haunted. No, this house is haunted. It meets all the requirements, it, unfortunately. The recipe was done. It was mixed correctly. It went in for the proper amount of time and it came out haunted. The Barefoot Contessa approves. It does. <laughs> the Barefoot Contessa <laughs> it. Uh, so yeah, people think it's haunted. For years after, there was still that Christmas tree and wrapped presents oh. left in the house from that night. That adds to the spooky. Oh, I want to go. I do too. <laughs> At number seven this week is the Colorado Springs Christmas robbery from 2019. A couple days before Christmas, a white-bearded man named David Wayne Oliver robbed a Colorado Springs bank, but his next move gave the crime a stunning Christmas twist. I love that you have so many Santa bank robberies. I know, I didn't know there were so (laughs) many. Around noon, David Oliver walked into the Academy Bank in Colorado Springs, and police said he threatened the use of a weapon. All right. Not good. All right. It's not good. So he took an undisclosed amount of cash, he walked outside, and promptly began throwing it to bystanders (laughs) while yelling, Merry Christmas. Tell me where the crime is. I see no crime. There's no crime at all. He is Santa. I believe it. I know it. A witness told local news that people walking down the street stopped to pick up the money and returned it to the bank tellers. Lame. <laughs> but thousands of dollars went unaccounted for. So not everybody returned I was going to say, there's no, like, witnesses being like, oh, yeah, everybody just brought it back in. Went no. right back in there. There's no way. I'm not saying I would take it, but I'm saying people would take it. I don't know, Lena. I think that's where we differ. I mean, yeah. Christmas, all right? <laughs> I said, I think I would have a real, like, angel devil situation going on. And I'd be like, you know, I could take this money. But yeah. then I'd feel too guilty to go through with it. It's true. I wouldn't be able to spend money that wasn't mine. Especially during Christmas. No, no. Well, David Oliver waited at a coffee shop right next to the bank for the police to arrest him. He knew it was going to happen. He must have been lying when he threatened the use of a weapon because there was no indication at the time that he was armed at all during any point. Because he's just Santa. He's literally Santa Claus, guys. Guys. I don't know why you're confused. It's pretty simple. Well, Denver crime statistics show that robberies did peak that same month compared to other months around it. So that's why there's so many Christmas crimes. He was Santa. <laughs> You're like still harping on that fact. He was. Like, I'd just like to point out they arrested Santa. The man is Santa Claus. <laughs> this is a Hallmark movie gone wrong. It is. Six. Also on our list at number six is all 
the unethical and fraudulent charities and giving <laughs> campaigns that boom during the holidays and rip nice people off. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah, people get into the spirit of giving during Christmas, and many are taken advantage of by fraudulent organizations claiming to improve the world. CNN said in 2013, the 50 worst charities in America devote less than 4% of donations raised to direct cash aid. Let's have a little roll call of scum, shall we? Roll call. Let's do this. First on our list is Father Bruce Ritter. He founded the Covenant House in 1969 in New York. It housed homeless teens. And he used money to bankroll affairs with some teens and, oh, uh, abuse them. Father Bruce, you're out. There you go. See you later. Christmas stamp of disapproval. You're out of here. Next up is William Aramoni, CEO of United Way of America. He diverted $1.2 million to fund his underage girlfriend's lifestyle, bribed female employees for sexual favors, awful man. And was an all-around horrible person. The worst. Ew. Yeah. Next up, Lorraine Hale founded Hale House for Needy Children and used donations to fund her own lifestyle and referred to poor children taken in as uh, quote-unquote cash cows. My God. These are evil human beings. These are the Christmas misers. We got more. Roger Chapin founded more than 30 charities from curing Alzheimer's to cancer to assisting veterans and used the money to personally get rich. Not okay, Not okay. Wrong. Ugh. And last, we have James Reynolds Sr. He created a web of fraudulent charities by using cancer in the names and confusing people into donating. What is wrong with everybody? You have to be a literal evil human being. Right. Yeah. To see how you can bank off of Christmas and just like debilitating things, that's horrible. Merry Christmas, everyone. But not so much. Wow. We're not holly, jolly, or bright no, so far. This is dark. We're dark, sad, and but you the know opposite what? of holly. At least the Los Feliz murder house was on it for you. Yeah, thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm glad I could provide <laughs> that with you. <laughs> I mean, you're still waiting for, what was it that you I wanted? I need the Lawson family up in here. I don't know if I I'm waiting it. for it. <laughs> I don't know if I have it. I'm not sure. <laughs> Hi, it's Kate from Parcast Network. If you haven't had a chance to check out the entertaining new podcast, Blind Dating, now's the time to binge what you've missed before catching all new episodes every Wednesday. In this Spotify original from Parcast, we're expanding the places you can meet your match with a twist you'll never see coming. Join host Tara Michelle as she introduces one hopeful single to two strangers in a voice-only call. Through a series of illuminating games and questions, the trio will get to know one another without the distraction of appearances. But once the cameras are turned on, is personality still enough for these strangers to fall for each other? Or will they say farewell? Connect with new episodes of Blind Dating every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, price line. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of not so jolly Christmas crimes. Starting off the second half of our list is the Lawson family murders. Yes! <laughs> in Germantown, North Carolina on Christmas Day, 1929. I mean, it's awful, but yay, I'm glad it's on the list. Yes. Leading up to that day, tobacco farmer Charlie Lawson complained of severe headaches and insomnia to his doctor. And then that afternoon, he shot and bludgeoned his children and his wife before turning the gun on himself. That won't cure your headache. No. In fact, it will make it a lot worse, I think. It will. The motive remains unknown, but Charlie Lawson's behavior had been described as erratic in the months leading up to the murder. So... This was kind of maybe something that could have been stopped. There were some red flags. So that day, he sent his oldest son, Arthur, out for errands before everything went down. Arthur was the only survivor. And some people say that it was premeditated. And that's the whole reason he sent Arthur in the first place. Yeah, because we covered this. We did. Morbid. Mm -hmm. And that was our theory, too, that maybe he was the oldest one. He was a big kid. Could have been able to stop him. He could overpower, maybe. It makes sense. A hundred percent. And to support premeditation even further, he gathered the family for a studio portrait in town just a short time earlier, which was not super common in that town for working class families like the Lawsons. And it was the creepiest photo you'll ever look at. Yeah, don't look at it, honestly. Don't do it. So Charlie placed the victim's heads on pillows and folded their hands across their chests after he killed them. Authorities found two notes in Charlie's pockets. One read, trouble can cause, dot, dot, dot. Who knows how that ended? And the other simply said, nobody to blame. Oh no, it's you to blame. Yes, it's actually you, Charlie. I assume he meant trouble can cause this gestures broadly trouble can cause me this whole thing well neither of the notes were ever deciphered except right now on on it i just deciphered them <laughs> <laughs> um of course immediately after the murder thousands of people came to check out the crime scene because merry christmas yep including me from back then <laughs> it's like now that <laughs> we've it. opened up our presents let's go check out that murder scene oh yeah you know what else is more we've cut the ham we're ready to go let's do it disgusting <laughs> take that one step further one of charlie's brothers preserved the bloody scene to run paid tours of the house allegedly to help the surviving son arthur that's real intense. I don't really know about it's that. It's a lot. It's a lot. And mobster John Dillinger apparently stopped by for the tour just after he escaped from prison. Wow. Yep. All right. Not shocking, I suppose. Taunting police by visiting a crowded area without capture. Oh, John. <laughs> that old guy. You wily guy, you. <laughs> Four. Landing at number four this week is the 1992 downtown posse killings in Dayton, Ohio. Four killers aged 16 to 20, so babies, committed six murders and left two more victims injured in a crime spree across Dayton from Christmas Eve through December 26th. So the original plan was to rob their first victim, lured by the prospect of sex with the assailants. They tied him up, ransacked his house, And then they shot him. Oh, my God. Yeah. They then took his car and his gun, which they used in subsequent crimes, and they used his home to meet up and party while his body remained there. I mean, I'm not trying to give you any tips, but like that's going to get you caught pretty quickly, I would think. One tip I will give you is don't do this. Yeah, don't. Don't do any of that. Write that that down. What happened next? 
They murdered an innocent single mother, just 18 years old, while she was standing at a payphone. The Dayton Daily News said it could have been for her shoes. For her shoes? An 18-year-old single mother. My God. Yep. The group stayed the night at their first victim's house and then wounded one of the assailant's former boyfriend when he showed up. Are you serious? Yeah. He escaped to the neighbor's house, luckily. Good. Then the group moved around the city and avoided police by switching license plates on multiple stolen vehicles while still killing people at complete random. I was going to say, this whole thing has like no... What is happening? Yeah, there's no motive, it seems. It seems like it's just thrill. Right. The four ringleaders then killed two others close to them, fearing they could snitch on them. Now they're turning on each other. No one is safe. What happened was they were shot execution style on the side of the highway. Are you kidding me? This blew my mind. This could be like a wild movie. It really could. But it really happened. When it was all said and done, six people were dead. And it goes down as Dayton's worst crime spree in history. I would not think so. No. Well, three of the murderers are in prison and one of them was executed for his role in the killings. He had no last words. I mean, really, what are you going to say? What would your last words be after that? Like, Sorry? Yeah, of course not. They're not sorry. Three. Number three on our countdown of not-so-jolly Christmas crimes is Jean Bonnet Ramsey. The six-year-old beauty pageant queen was found dead in her Boulder, Colorado home the day after Christmas, 1996. No one has ever been convicted of her murder, and it sparked theories from reasonable to crazy. Some say her parents did it, while others have said that John Bonet Ramsey is alive, grown up, and Katy Perry. I'm gonna go ahead and say that one's not true. I'm gonna go ahead and doubt that. So at first, JonBenet was just missing. On December 26, 1996, JonBenet's mother, Patsy, said she found a ransom note demanding $118,000 for JonBenet's return. So that's a very specific amount. It absolutely is. And that amount is real sus because it's very close to the father's bonus amount for that year for his job. Huh. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that pointed to someone close to the family who maybe knew about the bonus. That and about a million other things. Yes, definitely. <laughs> JonBenet's body was found in the basement later that morning, and her skull was fractured. Oh, little oh, baby. baby. I know. Oh. Her death sparked public outrage for so many reasons, especially because of the beauty pageant pictures. Oh, yeah. It called attention to child pageantry that sexualizes young children at play. Yeah. It's a little messed up. My grandma wanted to put me in pageants. Glad we put an end to that. Sure, me too. Suspicion, of course, was first pointed on the parents, but lack of evidence didn't lead to any indictments. Patsy passed away from cancer, unfortunately, in June 2006. And then in August of 2006, a man named John Carr was arrested in Thailand and allegedly confessed to sexual assault and murder. Unfortunately, DNA said, nope. I remember when that happened, too. I do, I remember too. when he came out and said it, and we were all like, whoa, mm-hmm. it's him. I was like 10, I think, and I literally remember it. Yeah. There's a big theory that Burke Ramsey, the brother, killed JonBenet by accident and that the parents covered it up to protect him. I'm going to stay silent. I was going to say, I'm not saying I'm anything. I'm just going to go. Clear my throat. Burke Ramsey actually sued CBS for a special that they ran, implying he could have murdered his younger sister. I guess he settled for an undisclosed amount and the suit was dropped. And that's all I have to say about that, Burke. We've got two left, Elena. 
It's crazy that I didn't even think of Jean Bonnet. Really? Why didn't I think of Jean Bonnet? Honestly, I'm surprised that Jean Bonnet wasn't number one. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Anybody who asks me, what's the one crime you want solved? Jean, Jean Bonnet. Bonnet Ramsey. Easily. That's the one. All right, let's see what's coming up next. What have we got? We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of not-so-jolly Christmas crimes. At number two, Bernie Madoff. Madoff orchestrated the largest Ponzi scheme in United States history and was arrested during the holiday season on December 11, 2008. Merry Christmas, Bernie. Merry Christmas, Bernie. As a child, Bernie Madoff watched his father achieve financial success in business and then lose it. Womp womp. So he was determined to achieve the lasting success that his father hadn't, whatever it took to make that happen. Yikes. Took a lot, apparently. Madoff stole tens of billions of dollars in a Ponzi scheme. Investors believed accounts were worth $60 billion by the time of his arrest. That's an unfathomable amount of money. Try to picture that in your head right now. I can't. I was just silent for a moment because that's what I was trying to do and my brain like short circuit. I could see the gears turning in your head and I was like, yeah, that's a lot. So you can't picture it. There were multiple opportunities for him to be caught over the years. The SEC visited him twice Ooh. and a whistleblower spent years being ignored, which I bet now they're like, sorry. I was going to say, imagine <laughs> being that whistleblower. Remember that time when we didn't believe you? We're that's real sorry. The biggest I told you so in oh, history. Yeah. I would be doing that every day for the rest of my life. Just call them every single day. His own son turned him in. The night before, Madoff Investments threw a holiday rager. Ooh, we love a Christmas party. We love a holiday rager. On Christmas Eve, Madoff and his wife tried to kill themselves with pills, but it didn't work. He received a 150-year sentence. Wow. A few billion dollars has since been reclaimed by the Madoff Victims Funds and dispersed to some of the victims but most will likely just remain at a loss. That really stinks. really sucks. I'm happy that at least some people got their money back, though. Yeah. Well, Elie Wiesel, a Holocaust survivor and author who famously lent the Nazis forgiveness, said he would never forgive Bernie Madoff. Wow. So that should tell you everything you need to know right there. Seriously. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 not-so-jolly Christmas crimes, the 2008 Covina Massacre. Oh, this one. Mm -hmm. This is number one. On Christmas Eve night in 2008, Bruce Jeffrey Pardo, dressed as Santa, opened fire on his ex-wife's family, murdering nine people in Covina, a suburb of Los Angeles. Bruce Pardo was apparently motivated by anger over his divorce from his ex-wife, Sylvia, who died in the attack. The first victim, but thankfully a survivor, was an eight-year-old who opened the door when Pardo arrived. This hurt my heart so much, thinking it's like Santa Claus. On Christmas Eve. It's like, what? Most of the younger people survived because luckily they were toward the back of the house hanging out. But unfortunately, the older adults were in the front. So not all the deaths were by gunfire. A fire that began as a result of his makeshift bomb detonation resulted in even further deaths. How are you this angry? Like on Christmas, you set a bomb off in a home. It's like unbelievable. 
Pardo was actually injured so badly by his rigged explosion that he abandoned his escape plans and killed himself. Ugh. I just feel like he's such a coward. Police found a Santa suit in his car, which was booby-trapped to explode, and even though the vehicle did explode, no one was injured, luckily. Yeah. The survivors and other family gather during the holidays and after Christmas service to go to the cemetery and honor the events. Ugh, I can't imagine going through Christmas after this. No, it's so horrible that you have to spend your Christmas, like, remembering this every in, single like, year. In, like, a cemetery. Ugh. The survivors frequently write letters to the victims of horrible and unpredictable tragedy for support, such as the Newtown school shooting. I love that they do that. Like, they give people hope, like, it's it's going to get better. Lift each other up. I yeah, love that. Yeah, I love that. And one little fun fact about this, mm. his Santa suit melted into his legs. So, Oh, haha. yeah. I thought something like that happened. We covered this on Morbid. I forgot about that. <laughs> yep. You know what? That is number one. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. You know, I forgot like going through this that I had that and I yeah. was like, oh wait, that should be number She's one. Like, oh yeah. And you know what? I can't think of any other ones that belong on the list. I really can't either. They've got ones that weirdly I didn't think of. I know. Like JonBenet Ramsey. How did I not think of that? I don't know. I'm upset with myself. You should be. You know what? Podcast Research God, you nailed it. Nailed it. I'm upset. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. And if you can't get enough of these creepy crimes, check out our After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify, where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories that we think you'll enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which you do, because you made it this <laughs> far, hi, follow our podcast, Morbid Podcast, on Instagram at Morbid Podcast or on Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. And we hope you keep it weird till next Monday. Please do it. Bye. Bye. Crime Countdown is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo, with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Produced by John Cohen, and associate produced by Jonathan Ratliff. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein. Research by Ambika Chotera, Jay Cahio, and Mickey Taylor. Crime Countdown stars Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. Hi, it's Kate again. Before you go, I want to remind you to check out the hit Spotify original from ParCast, Blind Dating. Every Wednesday, find out if there's more to love than just looks. Follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.